Hey, Brian. Brian Christofferson. I gotta take this. It's half. Be right. Be Rooney. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was bright. Brian Christofferson. Husker 24-7. On the Connor Happer Show. On 1620. The Zone. I join now on the 42 Degrees of Source hotline by Husker 247's Brian Christofferson, BC. Hello. Happy Friday. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Let's talk some hoops, as we have been doing now. We've been starting with hoops. And who yeah. knows? We It might last long enough to refinish with hoops as well. Um, let's go back to... The other night where Nebraska kind of exercises some demons a little bit, got a little hairy there in the second half. What what allowed them to, I guess for a better way of saying it, what allowed Nebraska to not blow it in the second half against Indiana? Well, you got to pass the credit around, but you got to start with Jamarcus Lawrence. I mean, I felt like when it was 59-56, um, a 22-point lead had been, you know, shaved to three in about seven or eight minutes. It seemed like Indiana was like another bucket or two away from uh, tilting the floor their way. And when Lawrence hit that three to push it back up to six, um, seemed like the Nebraska, everybody collectively took a deep breath, and then he had a great the pass of the night to Jawan Gary for a layup on yep. the next possession. It was eight-point game. And um, I think it was really deflating for Indiana because they chopped some wood and they they had it like, okay, we're about to take over this thing. We know Nebraska's history. And um, it kind of, I think, was a sign to both teams on the floor. That's not necessarily how the story is going to go tonight. And Nebraska quickly got it to double digits. And, um, you know, everybody kind of played their part. Uh, They did it with Rink Mass really having a subpar game. I mean, he only had two points and, um, I know everything runs through him, so you always got to factor that in. But it wasn't his best night of work. Um, and defensively, it wasn't their best night of work. I mean, Indiana scored on 10 of their first 12 uh, shots of the second half and really uh, was around that 50% mark shooting it. So um, the offense, though, Casey in the first half, and then Jamarcus, especially in the second half, I felt really good for Lawrence because he's been under the microscope trying to adjust to a new position. Uh, everything's been critiqued when it hasn't gone well and uh, he had the, the best game of his career um, at a time where his team really had to have it. He was amazing. I, I, I think what he br- has brought to the table now over the last handful of games, I mean it, it, it elevates Nebraska as a whole by by quite a bit because not only you know if you're looking at if you're looking at bench production, um, you know and hopefully you kind of know you can figure out what you can get from your starters like Mast and and Williams and Tominaga more consistently. But, you know, having, you know, Wiltshire hasn't really had a, a breakout game in a while. It's It's been a little bit a while for him. But then if you could get it from either him or Lawrence or a guy like mm-hmm. Sam Hoiberg, that just increases your chances that it'll, that it'll happen on any given night. Yeah, and Nebraska's guard just crushed Indiana's guard play. I mean, it was a, the, the final... Um, you know, three-point numbers were, were 14 to four. Nebraska had 14 makes to four, so 30 points right there. And that was actually what was kind of annoying about Indiana's run, I'm sure, for Husker fans, is Indiana's not a team that can even shoot it from outside. They really have struggled all year, and they, they weren't needing to, and they just, you know, chopped away really quickly. 
uh, inside the arc. Um, but man, that not that we need to get into a discussion on Indiana basketball, but they need to they need to figure out their guard situation uh-huh. moving forward. Because um, I mean, th- think about Case; they just owned the first half. Bryce Williams was just there all game with with something. Um, he didn't. He was like one of five from three point range, but then he hit the big one late that kind of steal it and has the big swat at the rim that that said good night to everybody. So, um, and then Sam Hoiberg, um, you know, he's that type of player where it doesn't matter if he scores zero or two points, he he could still be one of the most influential guys on the court and continues to have one of the best plus minus numbers for Nebraska. It feels like at least every other game. So. Um, they, they have found a nice kind of working rotation, even though they've been criticized for not having that true point guard with Aaron Euless not available this year. Uh, they, they've, they've sort of figured out a formula to work around it. And uh, Lawrence coming on at this time of year, sort of like he did last season, is obviously huge news. All right, so looking ahead, it's, it's Minnesota this Sunday at home, and then Rutgers at home the next Sunday after that with two road games left as well at Ohio State and at Michigan, and I don't know that any of them are given wins for Nebraska, but you do like their chances to grab at least probably two more out of that group, maybe even three, and and who knows? I mean, they they could potentially win four. Is this one on Sunday the – I guess, why is it different than the rest of them? For for me, um, you know, Minnesota, they're the only team left on that – in that group that's really – has an opportunity to make things interesting from like a bubble perspective, from a tournament perspective. Um, if they, if they find a way to win on the road, which would be a quad one win. So I think there's probably going to be some desperation there. Minnesota's played well. I mean, th- this game is um, not that any games, not concerning BC, but th- this game is mildly concerning to me on Sunday. <clears throat> Scariest matchup left. I think um, because of, uh, you know, they, they've got some athletic length that really did a number on Nebraska in the second half, of course, in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, that's what the Indiana game was re- resembling for a bit. Um, you know, the Minnesota contest, Nebraska led in December up there by 17 points. And I was just looking back at it. That lead had disappeared to, to nothing um, seven minutes into the second half. So that's how quickly the Gophers uh, flip the page on that. I think it's scary though because uh, Minnesota's sort of like Nebraska was going to Indiana, where they've got a little something uh, to prove with an edge, especially on the road. Because if you think about it, um, they were up ten on Purdue on the road, uh, lost that one. Before that, they were up twenty on Iowa on the road and lost that one. And so there's probably a little bit of the same knock on them, like are you going to finish some of these, you know, away from your own building? Um, but they're playing really well. I think one of the top five teams in the league right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, Nebraska's, uh, Nebraska's going to have to to just have that same energy they've had at PBA all year. I still like Nebraska at home. I'm not going to bet against them at PBA at this point. Uh, but I do think it, Minnesota, um, they, they see an opportunity to – punch their way into that conversation of hey hey we belong in these tournament discussions too now um and and if they won sunday in lincoln that would be a i mean a huge uh, quad one win for them so uh they're going to come with everything they have so nebraska's got to be ready from it for, uh for it from the from the jump for big 10 seating purposes and big 10 standing purposes i i think you've started to do this kind of map out and and look at what those teams around nebraska and the standings have left and then 
you know, you can go as far as tiebreakers as well. I, I, I don't think it'll be easy for Nebraska, but it does appear that they have like the lightest four remaining on their schedule amongst the teams that are kind of around them in in the standings, and they're only you know one game out of third place at the moment. I guess how do you mm-hmm. how do you see that whole thing kind of shaking out over the next couple weeks here, where it feels like there's a lot in flux with those top I don't know six maybe seven teams in the league. Yeah, I think they've I think Nebraska's got to get to 12 and 8, not not necessarily, but that that would be the best shot to to get that double bye. So that means winning, you know, 3 of the last 4. Yep. If they get to 12 and 8, if you sort of go I, I'll try to summarize it quickly, but if you go through the like tiebreaker formula, um it ends up being pretty favorable for Nebraska and a lot of them with the teams that are involved. Uh, obviously not Illinois, but the other ones, like against uh, Wisconsin and Northwestern, it sort of works its way down to the, like the second or third thing on the list on some of those. And uh, Purdue factors in. It's like, what's your record against the top team in the Big Ten at one point? Um, who's going to be Purdue? And Nebraska, since they're one and zero, and some other teams are like one and one against Purdue or zero and whatever against Purdue, would uh, would have a good shot there. So I think if they could get to twelve, um, you know, everybody will have their you'll you'll see every table in the world out there on social media that last week of the season about what needs to happen. But I, I think that Nebraska can do it. They could get the double bye if they get there. So that means winning three of the last four. And, of course, that means winning two at home and then, you know, beating a, a bad Michigan team on the road or, or, or taking one at Ohio State, which would actually count as a quad one win at the moment. Um, so uh, I think it's doable. But uh, first things first, that you can really get that conversation started. And I think it takes off in full if you take care of business on Sunday night. There's only so much you can uh, you could take away from the brackets that are out there, but I'm sure you've seen the projections as we've gone. Nebraska hasn't. They, they haven't fluctuated that much in the eyes of the bracketologist over the last couple of weeks. They're pretty much steady at a, at a nine or a 10 seed. Um, but a lot of the projections that come out are hard to ignore because it features Nebraska playing right down the road in Omaha. We like it or not. Like when do we start taking that idea seriously? Because it feels like it's been like a pipe dream for the last couple mm-hmm. months but now we're just a couple weeks away from Selection Sunday, and it feels more and more real by the day. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it seriously for sure when I when I see it yeah. um, <laughs> like pop up on the screen. But it's fun; like, it's a fun idea to like think about. And uh, you know, the team whoever's like the seven seed on the other side of the bracket or whatever would sure not appreciate it because they're gonna they'll walk into a pit. I mean, it's Nebraska. You know how it is around here. Whenever a home a state program has anything nearby with something serious at stake, um, everybody gets in on it. And so um, we've seen how good Nebraska plays in front of its home fans. Um, They would be very difficult in that setting. So that'd be wonderful. Uh, First (laughs) thing first, just getting in there. And that'll be exciting enough for for everybody, I think, who's watched this team from the get-go. And I think has really kind of fallen – you know, they like this team. They just they like what they're about, and it's, it's a group of guys that, that's hard not to root for. Yep. Um, with all the kind of different backstories, and um, you know, I think the the cool thing about it when when 
as long as this is still out there, this uh, carrot to grab of Nebraska's first NCAA win in school history, um, if you're ever on the roster that's trying to chase that down, that's a pretty special deal to, to try to track, you know, and I think guys realize that. It's not something you want to talk about every day, but I've always said there is an appeal and something you could get out of a competitor to, to come to this program and say, do you want to make history? Do you want to be part of that group that 20, 30 years from now you get honored and people are remembering your name and that you did this and that game because you were the first to do it? And that that's the cool thing about uh, being at a program that doesn't have the rich history is you can try to start to make it. So that's yep. what's in front of them the next three to four weeks. And if they happen to get a chance to do that in Omaha, man, that'd be unbelievable. BC, thanks as always. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, thanks, Connor. Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7. Uh, quick just interjection here. They're replaying the Super Bowl on the NFL Network today. And my favorite moment of the Super Bowl just happened. Oh, really? It was in overtime, the Chiefs' possession, and over before the Chiefs' possession in overtime, when they go up to Nance and Romo in the booth, and Romo and Nance starts to go on his whole thing about how they say a generation is twenty years. And, and Romo can't get past and Romo's that. Like, really? Twenty years? Really? This is the first time I heard about this. Really? And he's got that look on his face. Twenty years. It's so. It's it was so good in overtime. I could watch it of all the Super Bowl. of the Super Bowl with the greatest quarterback of all time about to walk onto the field with the a fourth and one <laughs> is about to take place. <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, anyway, back to basketball real quick. Uh, Drunk Monk on the YouTube. Hello, Drunk. I agree, Connor. Lawrence is their most explosive ball handler. If he keeps playing his role, it elevates Nebraska. I just see, and I know I've been asking all of our guests this week about Jamarcus Lawrence. Um, I just see like a way more confident guy. It, it feels like it feels like a guy to me that Fred Hoiberg maybe sat down and had a discussion with, dude. Like. You know, you're you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna you're gonna screw up. And I know there's a different kind of pressure in the starting lineup and and all that stuff. And we need you to be this because we don't have this on our team. And but I just really what I want you to do is just go out there and be you, like play basketball. His aggression, and obviously, I think he's taken some teams by surprise. Just absolutely beating people off the jump, beating people off the bounce, um, whether it's to the rim or to his spot at the three-point line and his shooting. I mean, he shot five for five in the last game um, there against Indiana. So it's been a revelation for this team. It's totally elevated them, in my opinion. Um, so he, if he can fill that role, like I said, if you get if you get great spurts from him, and maybe you're not getting it from Wiltshire, maybe you're not getting it from, you know, offensively anyway from Sam Hoiberg, but you're you're sort of piecing that together. Um like there's more when we talk about Creighton, we talk about like those the, the top four guys, we, we kind of know what we're getting, right? Especially the top three if you take Definitely away three, yeah. Like you know you know what you're getting. Nebraska doesn't have a whole lot of that on their roster. I think Bryce Williams and Rink Mast are probably like the and Gary are, are like the closest to comp to that. Um but, you know, maybe you get a great Tominaga game and then you, you got a leg up on everything. Or maybe you don't. And that's when you need Jamarcus Lawrence to be the be the scorer and steadying force. And that's when you need C.J. Wilcher. So there's a reason why they're kind of streaky. There's a reason why they're kind of roller coastery, And it's just because of the personnel. Um, and with that being said, 
it takes one day. It take it takes one day in the NCAA tournament, maybe on with a home crowd behind you, and to make history for Nebraska basketball. Do they have a chance to do that? You bet they do. Oh yeah, I think they'll have a real good shot. Sunday's a big one. Sunday's a big one at home against Minnesota. You're very concerned about desperate teams. Desperate teams. As of late. Desperate teams. Desperate times. They, they worry you. Yeah. The, the desperate teams. Yeah, of course they do. Who's more desperate, Nebraska or Minnesota? Definitely Minnesota. Who's more desperate, Creighton or St. John's? Oh, definitely St. John's. <laughs> definitely St. John's. Right? So even, even last week, you're like, oh, Butler's desperate. Butler Butler's was desperate. super desperate. That's why it was such an important win for Creighton mm-hmm. last week. Speaking of Creighton, we have gotten inundated with messages from a variety of different platforms from this account. I was wondering if we were going to talk about this. I think we should. So, Josh, you got a call yesterday after we had done at least 15 minutes of Creighton talk already uh-huh. during the show. Um, you got a call. And the caller was wondering why we don't talk about Creighton when that person is in the car. That is correct. You're always talking about Nebraska. You're wondering if Nebraska can get a road win. Today we have this. Um, Somehow he will talk about Nebraska basketball only. I hope Creighton finds a new person for the halftime part of the home game. Mm. They need to find a true Creighton fan. So... I, I don't know if this is trolling or not. Why don't you read the name of the account? Oh, was that important for some yeah, reason? Yeah, it is here. MB4CU. For CU. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I thought that was obvious. Might be a little biased there. And, but, 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 Josh, like, whatever. I, Creighton fans want to hear about Creighton talk. Nebraska fans want to hear about Nebraska talk. And they both don't want to hear about the other, right? But the fact of the matter is we live in the middle of it, so we gotta, we're going to talk about both of them. Sorry, that's going to keep happening. But I do my best every single day to bring something to the table on all of it. And we've done that. If I wasn't checking the box, then I'd be like, ah, you know what? I didn't check the box today. I'm sorry. We didn't We didn't really talk about Creighton. Didn't have a thing on Creighton today. But we did. We have. We've talked about him already. <laughs> and we'll talk about him again. Okay. <laughs> when Connor worked in Lincoln, he was a Creighton fan. When Connor works in Omaha, he's a Nebraska fan. What are you, Connor? Also, if you haven't listened to the whole show, shut up. Josh has the odd news next on next. 1620 The Zone.